What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode number 51. This is part four of Sex and Submission series. And part four today is going to be covering what is allowed in marriage sexually, the actual act of sex. So as we get into this, let's remember the cautions from that first um, episode in the series, which was we have freedom in Christ. First uh, Corinthians six twelve says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not profitable. But we also have cautions in first Corinthians seven talks about mutual submission and pleasure. It also talks about needing to be concerned with the things of God over the things of the earth. So that would imply that if you take your sexual desires or kinks or fantasies so far that it starts to cause problems with other areas of life where you're taking your focus off of God, then that is going to be a problem. And then you have the verse uh, that talks about moderation in all things. And that is uh, Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And then another caution would be uh, Romans 14, uh, 22. Do you have faith? Have it before yourself and God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the things which he allows. So if you do not have a doubt, if it is not condemned in the Bible, you can engage in that sexual act and be happy. In the freedom that God has given you to do that thing with your spouse, right? However, if you are not sure, if it is not of faith, verse 23 says it is sin. And then the last caution in regards to all of this stuff is going to be Romans 14, 13, uh, where we should not lay a stumbling block in front of others. Uh, Something that could cause somebody else to stumble if you flaunt what you are allowed to do. So let's just say, you know, a fellow Christian has a problem, then you should not discuss how you are free to do that. And it's totally fun and it's okay. And, and encourage him to try and sin against his conscience to engage in that thing with his wife. If he doesn't have the faith to do something, if he thinks that it is a sin And then you encourage him to do it. Well, now you've damaged his faith, right? So we cannot be a stumbling block to other Christians just because God allows us to do something where we find pleasure in something that we do with our spouse. Think of those cautions first as we discuss these things. And you need to understand that just because you don't do a particular sexual act, let's just say it's a sexual position. All right. With your spouse, because you're too old. You can't, you just can't bend your limbs that way. Or maybe you just think it's, it's not right. If it is between a husband and a wife and they both desire that there's nothing wrong with doing a sexual position. The Bible doesn't really talk too much about that. I'll give you a couple of Bible verses here later on, but there's nothing wrong with other people engaging in that just because you don't approve or because you can't do it. So do not take your preferences when it comes to sex or your desires 
or your personal convictions of your heart and preach those to others as if the Bible says it. If you don't have a book, chapter, and verse from the Bible to approve or condemn something, then you cannot teach it as as if it is gospel to other Christians, nor can you condemn other Christians just because you don't feel that it's right. Whether it's something as simple as wearing makeup or doing a sexual position or having a, a particular fetish in the bedroom, that's between them and their spouse and God. You have no business going into their bedroom and telling them what to do. Okay. Now, that being said, there is one more caution in the Bible that's, that talks about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we'll get into that in a minute. I'll read you that verse. But let's talk about what the Bible does allow when it comes to sexuality in your marriage. First of all, if you haven't read the Song of Solomon, you probably should. Okay. Visual appreciation of the naked body, oral sex, public displays of affection are all in there. For example, Song of Solomon 8 verse 1. Oh, that thou wert as my brother that sucked the breaths of my mother. When I should find thee without, I would kiss you, yea, I would not be despised. And then later on in verse 2, it says, I would cause thee to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. And then verse 3, his left hand shall be under my head, and his right hand should embrace me. So it's talking about sex, and she is talking to Solomon, King Solomon, saying, I remember when my brother sucked on the breasts of my mother, and I want you to do that to me. And then she says, when I find you out and about, not in the palace, not indoors, I want to go up to you and kiss you and make out with you. And I should not be despised by the people around me. Public displays of affection are approved in the Bible. Then she says, I would cause you to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate, which earlier in chapter four, she talks about her pomegranate being her vagina. She is literally talking about oral sex here. This is very explicit. There's no no doubt in the Song of Solomon that one of the wisest, the wisest person in the world that God blessed with wisdom was married to this woman. They wrote this book together talking about each other and their sexual relationship and their marriage. And then verse three, it said, his left hand should be under my head. So if you're lying on your bed and your left arm's under your wife's head and your right hand is embracing her, he's talking about foreplay and touching her intimately. So there is no doubt that the Bible allows for pleasure, sex, the visual stimulus, the the way she describes her body and his body. Song of Solomon is full of it. You really need to read it if you have any doubts about pleasure in the marriage bed. Okay. And then Genesis 2 verse 25 Uh, It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So that is clearly a reference to the fact that your bodies, our bodies, were created by God to be displayed to each other, and in a perfect world to anybody, because, you know, there would be no sin. However, of course, later, we're required to wear clothes. But the point is, since the beginning, the man and his wife are supposed to to appreciate, enjoy, and have no problem looking at each other's nakedness. Then the other thing that the Bible allows, and this is this is where it starts to get a little sticky and people get, get scared about talking about this, 
between husband and wife, pretty much anything is allowed. Hebrews 13, four marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So marriage is honorable in all. It's talking about in all people. So anyone who chooses to get married, there's no dishonor in being married. Okay. And then it says, and the bad undefiled. That means the sexual things that you do in that marriage is not defiling. However, whoremongers, that is prostitutes, people who sell sex and adulterers, people who have sex with someone other than their spouse, God will judge. So that opens it wide open, right? And we'll get into some of the things that people enjoy and and what the Bible says about those if it does speak on it. But it seems to be pretty clear that if you're married, you do what you want in the bedroom, okay? Now, let's talk about that marriage because this is very seldom discussed. But in the Bible, God actually allowed multiple wives. Can God allow sin? No, he cannot. Whether or not multiple wives is advisable, whether or not it's legal in your society, whether or not you feel a conviction that you should not do it, multiple wives is not a sin. If you look at Abraham, who had um, Ishmael with the handmaiden because his wife could not have kids, right? And then later God told him to put her out because there was enmity between the two wives or between the handmaiden and his wife, right? And then you have Solomon. King Solomon had 700 wives, 1 Kings 11.3. He had 700 wives, comma, princesses, comma, and 300 concubines. And then here's the caution. His wives turned away his heart. So from God. So he gave in to his wife's ungodly desires. So that's a caution there. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that Solomon sinned by having multiple wives. It was what his wives made him do that was a sin. Remember uh, Jacob and Esau? Jacob ended up having uh, four wives. He had the two sisters and then he had the two concubines. And of those four, he had the 12 men or boys who became men and became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. In all of this, oh, David had eight wives. King David, you've heard of David and Goliath and the the second king of Israel. That's King David. Okay. He had eight wives. Then if you've heard the story of David and Bathsheba real quickly, uh, he was during a time of war. He decided to stay home instead of going to war, sent his generals and everyone off to fight. He stayed home. He got up on the palace at nighttime and looked out across the city and he saw a beautiful woman taking off her clothes and bathing on her rooftop at night. Nothing wrong with that in that time period, but he saw it. He lusted after her, found out that she was married, had her husband killed and took the woman and well, he slept with her before he killed her husband. So what did God do? Second Samuel 12, seven. So it sounds like there was a lot of crime and sin going on there in that scenario, right? Um, he looked on a woman, he lusted after her. He slept with her. It wasn't his wife. It was someone else's wife. He killed the husband. So he did a lot of bad things, right? And then after it was all said and done, he married the woman. So God sent Nathan the prophet to him to condemn him for what he had done, to call him out 
publicly and then to punish him for it, right? Second Samuel 12, 7, this is uh, the prophet Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed the king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of King Saul and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives unto your bosom. And I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto you such and such things. God, through Nathan the prophet, is condemning him. And you read the whole chapter, 2 Samuel 12. He condemns him for taking another man's wife and sleeping with her. And then he says, I have given you wives, plural, into your bosom means to sleep with them. He was holding them, having sex with them. And if it had been too little, I would have given you more. God, through the prophet Nathan, told King David, it was not a sin to marry the woman. It was a sin to lust after her. It was a sin to sleep with her. It was a sin to kill her husband. And God will judge you for that. If you had only wanted more wives, I would have given you more wives. God cannot say that if having more wives was a sin. So you need to understand that and understand the cautions with all of those men in the Bible who had multiple wives about equality, the partnerships, the mutual love and respect that some of them did not have. Having multiple wives created problems, right? But just because something creates a problem does not mean that that thing is a sin. So be careful. This goes back to the cautions at the very beginning. Do not judge people and tell them that God condemns something unless you have a book, chapter, and verse that says it. Because I can prove to you with multiple verses in the Bible that God blessed men that had many wives and God used the many wives in multiple occasions to bless nations and the people who did that. God would not do that if multiple wives was a sin. He would have called out the sin because he sent the prophet Nathan to King David to condemn him. If having that extra wife Bathsheba was a sin, he would have condemned him for that too. So let's not get hung up on this. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to understand that God gives us amazing, wonderful freedom. But the Bible also teaches mutual respect, consent, love, equality of the sexes, of not, not of roles. Men and women have different roles, but we are equal and we take different positions of responsibility and authority. So we need to understand that and we need to respect our wives. And if you are in a position where you and your wife choose to have a second wife, you better be cautious about it. Because to my knowledge, most of the men in the Old Testament, righteous men of God who had multiple wives, ended up having a problem as a result of it. Whether it was infighting between the wives, um, where the husband didn't love one as much as he should have, or where the husband got led astray and began to worship false gods because of his wives. There are many cautions in regards to that. But the act of marrying multiple people itself is not a sin according to the Bible. All right. Now, what else does the Bible allow? Well, clearly in sex, the Bible allows pleasure. We discussed last time, first Corinthians chapter seven. So I'd recommend you do that. Uh, read first Corinthians chapter seven 
if you have questions about that or listen to that last podcast. But I do want to read Proverbs to you just to kind of reinforce that, that pleasure is allowed in sex. Proverbs 5, starting in verse 15, says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountains be blessed. He's talking about having children, your fountains and your waters being dispersed. And rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. If that's not pleasure, I don't know what is. Okay. <laughs> having her breasts satisfy me and being ravished by her. Okay. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. So don't go out and get a prostitute. All right. Ravished with a strange woman. If you read in Proverbs, it's talking about the prostitutes and embrace the bosom of a stranger. Why do you want to leave your wife and go out and find a stranger for one night? God's watching you. That's clearly what that says. Now let's get into what the Bible actually condemns because there's a lot there in, it seems to be freedom to do a lot of things, but what does the Bible actually say is wrong? Well, number one, adultery. That is sleeping with someone who is not your spouse. First Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Now this is a reference to the gay men nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then Matthew 5, 27, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, this is Jesus talking, right? But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Lust what it's referring to there is the sexual desire to lay with that woman. It does not say, do not admire the beauty of a woman and move on and be with your wife. It says, do not look on a woman to desire her sexually and want to lay with her because it's as if you already did. So understand the difference there. There is nothing wrong. If you look in the whole of scripture with song of Solomon and everything else, the, from Genesis uh, through, through this, where Jesus is talking, he doesn't say, you can't look at a woman and say, wow, she looks good. But if you then linger and desire and begin to lust to be with her, you might as well have already slept with her because now you've committed adultery. All right. And that is clearly a sin. All right. Then you have bestiality, uh, Leviticus 18, 23, neither shall you lie with any beast to defile yourself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusion. This goes back to Genesis where God said, every animal shall reproduce after its own kind, right? Trying to confuse the species and sleep with something that is not your kind. Not to mention the fact that we were created in God's image and animals were not. All right. Now that's Old Testament, but that runs throughout the whole Old Testament from creation on through. And then understand that in the New Testament, the verses that speak of sexual immorality, this is one of those things it's referring to. So these Levitical laws that talk about what is moral and what is not. Now, homosexuality, uh, that's very clear. Uh, the sin of sodomy, 
comes from Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah, men laying with men. And then you have Romans 126, for this got cause God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that, which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another men with men working that, which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. So very clearly here, women should not leave men to sleep with other women. Being a lesbian is against nature. And likewise, men being gay is against nature. Leaving the natural use of a woman and burning in your lust towards another man. Then God throws a little extra thing in here. He's like, and they're going to receive what they get because of it. Naturally in nature, when men begin to have sex with other men, lots of diseases and bodily problems ensue. So that is, should be kind of self-explanatory that homosexuality is a sin. It's mentioned multiple times in the Bible. Um, incest is a sin. In the New Testament, uh, King Herod with his brother's wife uh, was condemned. And uh, the prophet uh, went to him. It was uh, John the Baptist went to him and just flat out told him, it's not lawful for you to do this. You should stop. Uh, in the book of Leviticus 18, uh, it talks about that. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord, the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother. Shall you not uncover? And it goes on and on talks about uncles and aunts and things like that. So if you want to get into, you know, how far you can go with, with relatives, you know, you can read the book of Leviticus. It gets very specific there. Those are things that the Bible's very clear on. All right having sex with someone other than your wife, bestiality, homosexuality, and incest. Now, what about kinks and toys and fantasies and other, and, and positions that you want to try out and, and different things that you want to do with your spouse? Well, you need to understand that number one, your body is to be treated, be treated as the temple of the Holy spirit. And I'm going to read the, that verse to you here in just a minute. First Corinthians six, actually I'll start with that and then we'll discuss it. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Did you not know that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall become one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So the coming together of two shall become one is also supposed to be that spiritual connection, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So it's saying, don't go out to a harlot and sleep with her that sleeps with, you know, a hundred different men, because now you're damaging your spirit. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without his body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
So if your body is to be treated as a temple, that would mean you can decorate it. You can bring gifts into it or give gifts to someone else who's got a body that's a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You can, you know, in the temple, they did sacrifices to God, right? For, for God's pleasure and to appease him. So sacrificing yourself, but your own bodily pleasure to make sure that the other person is pleased. So this goes back to first Corinthians seven talks about that, uh, is definitely treating their body like a, a temple, good smells, oils, incense. All of that stuff is talked about in the Bible in regards to the Lord being pleased with sweet smelling savors in the temple, right? So what would be bad for your body in sex? Well, clearly desecration and marring and tearing it down. You know, if you desecrate the temple, the Bible talks in Revelations about how the Antichrist is going to desecrate the temple, marring the temple, you know, etching profanities into it or whatever, tearing the temple down completely, destroying parts of it, right? So that should be very simple to understand. If you desecrate your spouse's body, if you mar it, if you harm it, if you break it, that's evil. That's not treating the temple the way God wants the temple to be treated. That's not by definition a temple in the way and and the way you're supposed to extol its beauty and take care of it and, and bless it and bring sacrifices and gifts into it. Right. What that means is for your spouse is their kinks and desires ought to be explored and discovered. You ought to help please them and, and understand that what turns you on may not turn on other people, but you need to learn from your spouse on the different turn-ons and the different things that feel good because you're supposed to honor them and respect them and, and, and do what they wish and bring pleasure to them. Whether you want to bring toys, costumes, jewelry, silver and gold. I mean, if you're talking about decorating a temple, right? Lingerie fantasies that you guys have that you want to act out. All of this stuff is included in treating the temple honorably. Now, what about porn? Well, very clearly the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes we read earlier where Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, if you desire her body to have sex with her, then you've already committed adultery and we know adultery is a sin. So if you're watching porn, are you desiring to have sex with that person or are you and your spouse together getting turned on and admiring the beautiful bodies that God has created. Now, this is a touchy subject and it's something that the Bible does not address, but you need to understand that adultery is specifically referring to having sex with someone who is not your spouse. Do you want to honor that? If you want to have sex with someone who is not your spouse, then you're being lustful. You're committing adultery already in your heart. So it's one thing to go to a movie and see uh, a movie star take off their shirt and admit that they are good looking. Honesty, right? You would be foolish to lie and say, no, they're ugly. People that take care of their body deserve admiration. It is the body that God created and designed to look good when you take care of it. That is how muscles develop. Fat gets burned off. Your body's toned and sleek and smooth and what have you, okay? Admiring a good-looking body, if you do not cross over into the desiring it, coveting after it, is not wrong. My wife and I both go to movies together. I mean, once in a while we've gone alone, but generally speaking, we go to movies together. And 
when her she has one or two you know favorite movie stars that are men that'll take their shirt off and she likes that she'll she'll look at it and she'll be oh yeah i want to go see that movie because that dude's in it okay cool we'll go to the movie and no big deal it's it's just basic admiration and then she likes the way that they act and the way they talk you know certain accents and things like that um and there's nothing wrong with that is is admitting that someone is beautiful or or a good specimen of God's image, you know, that God created and by the same token. When I go, I like Angelina Jolie. So I'll go to see her movies and do either of us get to the point where we fantasize and desire and, and want to go have sex with that person. No, I don't think we have. And to, to be honest, I, I just don't think that's something we've ever done, you know, and honestly, even, even in fantasies, I, I don't think we've ever talked. We, we've mentioned it like, oh, would you have sex with Angelina Jolie? I think she said to me once or twice. And that's not something that I've, I covet after, right? If I hadn't met my wife and I had the chance to, you know, marry Angelina Jolie, yeah, I probably would have. And then I would have got divorced because I find out she's a horrible person. But, but I thought she looked good in the movies. Okay. So you, you have to understand that there is moderation in all things and whether it's the movies or porn or whatever you want to get involved in, if you cross over into desiring, coveting, or lust, that's a sin period. And most people, I would, I would venture to say 99.9% of people, if they watch porn, they're going to get into the lust. That's a sin. You, you need to be careful with these things. And saying that just because the Bible doesn't talk about it uh, means that it's okay is a dangerous thing to go into because you also have to take the principles of the Bible about desiring your wife and about loving and respecting each other and about not causing your brother to stumble and how your heart attitude, if you lust, if you just merely look and lust after someone, you've committed adultery. All of those things go in to the, the things you and your wife decide to do in the bedroom. You need to have moderation in all things and you need to use, take the Bible as a whole and not just say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't say that I can't do that. So I'm going to go do it. You have to also take the principles of the Bible and apply them to your, to your actions as well. Uh, and then the last thing, of course, I wanted to talk about was sexual positions. It's only mentioned in, uh, as a good thing in the Bible, in the Song of Solomon, you know, when it talks about the, the different things that they do together. So there is no right or wrong sexual position according to the Bible. You do what you want. It's not a matter of, oh, you should only do the missionary position or you're not a good Christian or, or you're not really following. No, 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 no. The, the Bible doesn't go there. Sex between a husband and wife should be pleasurable for both. And if at times one of you is not able to reach an orgasm, it's okay. You should be willing to make that sacrifice for the other one. I mean, talk about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So make a sacrifice. Now, if only one of you is always making a sacrifice, that's a problem. So there's a lot to get into here. But in general, all things are lawful for a Christian. 1 Corinthians 6.12 But I will not be brought under the power of any. All things are not profitable for a believer to do. It may be okay. It may not be a sin, but is it profitable for you and your spouse to do it together? And if it is profitable and you guys decide together to do something, are you doing it 
to the extent that it is taking power over you and blocking you in other areas of your life from fulfilling God's purposes. Remember that our desire ought to be the kingdom of God, not merely the fleshly desires with our spouse. So I hope this has opened up your eyes to a few things. Most importantly, I hope that you will actually read the Bible on some of these things. And as the Bereans did with Paul, search the scriptures to see if what I'm telling you is true. And then enjoy sex with your spouse. Until next time, may God bless you.